Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode number 147. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Tom, and Neil is somewhere out there in Illinois. Say hello, Neil. Tom, 147. I think you meant yes. 174, my friend. Did I say 147? You did. Is that the way it's going to go? Yes. This is worse than you said it was Central Standard Time. Yes. Unforgivable sin. So the voice you hear, the disembodied voice you hear out there in the wilderness... Let me tell you who this is. This guy is he's he's an author. He's written a couple of nonfiction books. He's a well-known punk frontman. He's a record reviewer. He's a he's he's kind of like a the Howard Stern of punk rock. Honestly, he's a king of all media. Wow. He uh, what else does he do? He plays bass. What else do you do, Norb? Well, Remind I me. Don't have hair like Howard Stern. I mean, I kind of wish I did. That's a good look. <laughs> well, I guarantee he couldn't pull off those tight pants like you do. Oh, good God! We went there already. Holy shit! I don't know. <laughs> I'm envisioning this. I, don't, I think that might be part of the look. <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny because I, when we saw you in, uh, I think it was the Chicago show last year at the Meat Kitchen. Yes. The stage was short enough so that you, I swear, if we look straight forward, we were looking right at your crotch. Did you see? And all I cool. And all I could think is, is this the bulge that Bulge Records is named after? Is that what we're looking at right now? Is that is that was that the inspiration for the label? I, you know, it very well might have been. I, I, I think the actual the actual genesis of the whole Bulge Records name is sort of lost in the dustbins of history. But uh, it, it might have been. I might have just, you know, I might have just named it after the first thing that came up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. After, you after that performance, they were changing it from Beat Kitchen to Meat Kitchen. That's so. That's all I've got to say. Yes. Yes. There we go. The chop shop. <laughs> yes, chop shop. So. So it's it's funny when you go on your like your official I think it's on your Wikipedia page and like when you go on your website you guys describe yourselves as the band that never quit your day jobs. So looking back, getting in your wayback machine, twenty seven years ago, you guys are young guys, you're riding a wave of momentum. Do you wish you would have quit your day jobs and just totally chased after the brass ring all those years ago? Um, well, if that would lead to me, like not having to, you know, have a day job today, I suppose I probably would. I don't know. That's sort of hard to say in retrospect, because usually my, my theory of it at the time was that, you know, we could, we could quit our jobs and we can chase the brass ring, but I think you have to have sort of a realistic view of your, your, your ceiling and your popularity. I don't think Boris are going to appeal to all people. Like, I don't really think that we're going to be, you know, crossing over to the average dork in the street like the offspring of Green Day or whatever the heck. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, maybe we could quit our jobs and maybe we could live off that for like 18 months and then we'd have to get jobs mopping floors at record stores and sleeping on people's couches and I don't know. It, it just, what? I, 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 the cost benefit analysis didn't seem to weigh like heavily in, you know, Boris has got this gravy train of success impending, just hop on it and go. Well, it's funny, right? Because you think about a guy, I always think about a guy like Joe King, you know, this is a guy who always, he never quit, you know, the queers never quit, they always did it, but I'm like, he doesn't have a 401k. The guys who, like, took a break, they could still play shows occasionally, but you probably have a 401k, you're going to be able to retire, Joe's going to have to die on the road, right? Uh, well, that that sort of might be, I, I think that's sort of like Joe's, I, I expect no less from Joe, really, I mean, that guy's, he was like 61, I think, the last time I saw the queers, and he's still at it, like he's... You know, twenty-two or whatever the hell. So, yes, he's going to die on the road. He can die with his boots on, but not necessarily boots. But probably Chuck Taylor's in a hat. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, he, exactly he doesn't correct. play guitar anymore. So I feel, I feel like his concession to old age is that he doesn't play guitar anymore. But, but yes, I so always kind of wondered that because I, 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 I bass. 
Yes, that's true. Well, it's funny because we're, we're pretty friendly with Paul and we we got to hang out with him in the flesh when you guys played your couple of shows last year. And I kind of I posed the same question to him and he's like, you know, I kind of part of me says part of me wishes we would have kind of really tried tried to do it back in those days. Just, uh, you know, I, I like to start things out with a philosophical a philosophical question before we get into nothing but nonsense. That was pretty deep, Tom. That was a pretty deep question right there. Yes. Well, it's just to rethink my entire like timeline and life. You got to make him cry. Exactly. (laughs) It's going. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those things. It's hard not to look back and, you know, and analyze things. But at the end of the day, he, like I said, he'll probably be able to kick his feet up at 65. And some of the guys who, you know, look at Charlie Harper, he's like 97 years old. It was Charlie's birthday just two days ago. He is seven. Was he 76? I believe. I don't know. He's either, I don't he's know. either 74 or 76. Isn't his real name. <laughs> he like got that from Charlie Parker, the jazz musician. His real name is something. It's something very un-Charlie Parker-like. I believe like he's a Bert, bit heritage. Bertrand or something, right? Something very English. You know, it's like Bob Lopez or something like that. <laughs> Bob Lopez. No, that would be good. So, um, David. No, he's almost right. Uh, David Charles Perez. How about that? Really? I did not know that. Well, you know, I do you know, I, and I don't know, and I don't know, know nor personally, but I know he's a huge record collector and a huge comic collector. Now, are you mostly like, uh, are you mostly a fan of like, are you most of your collection 60s stuff, or do you have a real significant punk rock collection too? Uh, are we talking comic books with the 60s stuff? Because like, my well, ex- I know you love your 60s comics. So I was actually thinking more records. Uh, you know, records, I, I don't know. I mean, my my record collection is probably, you know, nothing near what what the gosh darn kids have today because now kids got disc discogs and they're all they're all loaded up with punk rock treasures and I'm kind of a cheapskate. So my my record collection is by no means world class, but you know, it's got the punk rock in it, of course. That's you know, and that's 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 the bread of life for Pete's sake. It is. That's true. I, actually, <laughs> well, it's, Tom, it's funny you mention that because that was going to be some of the stuff I was going to ask him about specifically, because um. And for those that don't know, I don't even know if you introduced him. Uh, so obviously this is Rev Norb from Boris the Sprinkler. Um, covers. That's right. D- I kind of I trip I trip myself up. Yeah, my with one forty seven lower class, <laughs> even worse than usual. That's yes, yes, yes. And I always stink that, at intro. That's because that's because you're starstruck. Um, well, no, the pro- you know what the problem is? Norb is like the ultimate intro guy. He is. That's like, true. He's, he might he might be better known in some ways for his intros than he is for his songs. Is that your... Because those intros are really dumb to listen to if you have to listen to them a whole bunch of times throughout the years. It's like, oh my god, why didn't I just sh- shut the fuck up and just start the song? <laughs> well, so so let me let me go back to the record thing a second. So, um, almost all your singles or your seven inch singles, you seem to do a classic punk rock song on the B side. Um, let's see, Rosillo's Undertones, Generation X, uh, Dickies. You even did a Ma- you even did a Madness cover, I believe. Right, we did. we did the Heartbreakers and we did the Undertones and we did uh, Joe ja- Joe Jackson. You did a Joe Jackson cover, I believe, as well, right? Yep, we did. they got the time, right? Yep. So all all classic stuff. So I assume you have all of those. Like I assume you have a lot of classic punk forty fives in your record collection. Well, I would like to think well, or punk albums or punk somethings. I mean, that was that was the stuff I grew up on. So you would like to think that it's well represented in my own personal record collection. Because by golly, where else would I become the well-rounded individual that you see before you metaphorically today? And the reason the reason I bring this up is because I don't know how old of a guy you are. I'm I'm 59. I don't know if you're 
close to that. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Good work. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so um, I know from England originally. So in fact, I, we talked about the jam once, but anyway, um, back then, uh, in England anyway, in the late 70s, we were buying mainly singles. So I have an awful lot of seven-inch singles. And I've got no idea what to do with the fucking things. Uh, I have them in like cardboard boxes now, but that's not good. So I, what do you do with your seven-inch singles? How do you have them presented? Or do you have them like locked away yeah, or something? Cardboard boxes at the, in, a, in random boxes at the end of my closet. At the end of the hallway, there's a closet. And I have a bunch of cardboard boxes. And I have the singles in the cardboard boxes. And they're shoved in the closet. And of course, they're all flying all over everywhere. Because I have more singles than will fit in the closet. So I got boxes here. And I got stacks there. And it's... It's all a big darned mess, really. Damn it. I was hoping you were going to have some, like, earth-shattering uh, way of storing them or something. Or, you know, you, you knew you knew a carpenter who, was, who would make a lovely seven-inch box or something. This is this is what it's come down to, to, Neil. We get, like, a Midwest punk legend on the podcast, <laughs> and we're asking him about decorating advice. I'm asking him about seven-inch singles. Classic punk well, singles, man. Well, my wife maybe put mine on a shelf because she was not happy with the box situation. So mine are nicely presented on a shelf. But I just... Nor, Norb loves the – he's got a lot of comics and stuff. I'm just having this vision of him like his hallways lined where he just has like enough like little room for him to walk between his stacks of comics. And someday one of them's going to fall down. It's going to take like two weeks before they find him and his cats have mostly eaten him or something. But maybe, maybe not. But in my defense, I will say that my 45 boxes, I do spray paint before I, you know, put the 45s in there. So I have like fluorescent pink spray paint and black spray paint. You kind of go, you take them outside and you go whoosh, 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 whoosh. And you make some sort of like streaky kind of things there. And then it kind of looks like you have something of interest sitting in your closet as opposed oh, to. Oh, so it's like, a, like white an art boxes. project. Gotcha. Exactly. Hmm. All right. Well, listen, you, speaking of, okay, let's. And then they fall on you and then you die. There you go, exactly. And then someone throws him into a dumpster, so it's great. Exactly. But it takes several days for you to die. That's the good thing. You have lots of time to contemplate this pile on top of you. Let's uh, – Good comic book dust. Yeah. Let's uh, – Neil, let's play a song from Norb's really early Green Bay band. So this – so Suburban Mutilation, Norb, that was what? Like, hold on, hold on like a second, 80s. hold on a second. That was Green Bay, yeah. not Green Day, everybody. I said Green Bay. I know, no, I know that. you did. I know you did. I'm just wanted to so people didn't mishear and think somehow he was in Green Day at some point. No, well, let me tell you something. Green, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, suburban mutilation was around when Green, when when Billy Joe was still in diapers. Well, maybe not quite in diapers, but um, so how long was this band around for? Because there's a great retrospective on Beer City. It's uh, it's called what? It ain't over till the fat lady sings or something like that. Yeah, that I was think our, it's called. That was- that was a reissue of our first of our first and only record, which came out in I think 1984. 1984, okay. We were well, that was my first band. So we were around from 1981 or something till 1985-ish. And you played bass and sang. Were you guys a trio or we were a trio because we could not find anybody else that wanted to be in the band with us? Just not that many like-minded people in Green Bay in 1983. That is correct. So I don't know if you guys had a signature tune or not, but I just kind of picked one that was sort of a favorite of mine called Don't Psychoanalyze Me. Is there any uh, any background in the song, or was this just like teenagers being teenagers? Well, it was mostly teenagers being teenagers, but boy, since you since you picked that one, that's the only one that has any kind of real depth to it. Um, our original drummer, we, we, started, we started the band like when we were, I don't know, 14, 15 or whatever, and it was a three-piece. And in my senior year of high school, our drummer got killed in a car crash, which is no damn good. So he got a new wow. – yeah, that, that's, that'll take you out of an inning right quick. Like Yogi yeah, Bear, no kidding. A triple play. 
So then we got a different drummer, and went, I don't know, somehow don't psychoanalyze me. I, I felt that perhaps I was getting psychoanalyzed because, you know, you're, you're in high school, your your friend dies, and, you know, they, they want to send oh, you to yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever the hell they want to talk to you, and you just kind of want to be, you know, screw you, man, leave me alone. I'm a rugged individual. I, you, you can't, you know, don't, don't psychoanalyze me. Well, there you go, right there. So then, you know, so it is. Let's give it a spin, Neil. Oh, it it's a great Great, like, hard-edge punk rock, almost like hardcore song. Okay, so Suburban Mutilation uh, with Don't Psychoanalyze Me. Folks, so, there we go. That was Suburban Mutilation with Don't Psychoanalyze Me. And, and you should, I was going to say, that's a, it's on Beer City. I have a nice blue, a nice blue vinyl copy of it. It's a nice, nice uh, reissue of that first album. You should pick it up if you're a Midwestern punk fan like myself. Let's look on Discogs and see how much uh, the original goes for, shall we? Ooh, it's probably pretty limited, I imagine. Pretty limited, limited copies of the original press? Uh, there were, there were. We pressed up a thousand total. There were two pressings of five hundred, and they're only distinguishable by a slightly different lyric sheet. Oh hmm. dear, dear. Oh, and this was the opera in over till a fat lady sings, right? Is that it? Yep. Yeah. That's correct. Okay. Uh, oh. So Norm, I don't hmm. know. If, I don't know if you've talked about this a ton, Neil. I'm moving on. You can look that up. I'm moving on. Um, I don't know if you talked about this a ton, but obviously, you did a week a monthly column in MRR back in the '90s that all of us read. How did how did you end up hooking up with uh, Tim Yo for that column? And like I said, maybe you've explained this to death in the past, and if you have, I apologize, but I never heard the story. So how does a kid from Wisconsin end up writing for the great Maximum Rock and Roll? Well, oh, great Maximum Rock and Roll. Like like Pickle Rick said, I hope my absence of arms doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't blunt your appreciation of my air quotes. Um, well, <laughs> it, it, it was okay. It was on the decline maybe at that point, but that was when I was uh, like a kid. And I was big into it at that point. But so anyway, that's okay. Yeah. So um, or uh, I I published a fanzine. I started publishing my own fanzine when I was sixteen. That was in nineteen eighty two, and my fanzine was called Sixteen. And Sixteen came up before the Maximum Rock and Roll fanzine. But anyway, though, you know, we exchanged issues, and we were aware of each other, and so on and so forth. 
And then once in about 1993, I think I had like an art show or something. And I sent a bunch, I had post cool, cool postcards made. And I sent postcards out to various individuals, not because I thought they were going to attend my art show, but just because I thought they were cool postcards and I wanted to share them with people. And I sent one to Tim Yohannan and then he sort of called me up or something. And he said, you know, you really ought to do a piece on yourself. We want to do something on you in Maximum Rock and Roll because people have kind of forgotten who you are, which is Cool, because that means that at some point in time, people must have known who I was. So I said, all right. And then I, so I, I did this biographical sort of piece on myself, and I cut it up, and I made it all weird, like my old fanzine. And then I apparently that tickled Tim's fancy so much that he said, well, why don't you write a monthly column for Maximum Rock and Roll? It's Harbinger of Free Thought. And so it was. Harbinger of three, Free Thought. I assume that's in air quotes also. It might but maybe not. Anyway, then Tim died, and the people that came in hated me. So that was that. <laughs> Well, it it is it is he is a curious character. I mean, you guys you guys got out to the West Coast to tour. Did you get, were you ever able to meet in the in person? Oh, yes. or was it all just correspondence? Okay. What was your impressions of Tim? I don't want to. I mean, I'm not short. <laughs> What's that? He was very short. He was about was the same size as that little picture of him holding the rolling pin and the the header for his column. I was going to say, because you're fairly tall, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, every time I see you, you're usually up on like a, a two to three foot pedestal. So you're certainly towering over me. But he was short, huh? Interesting. But I, you know, I have, I, I love that magazine so much when I was a kid. But, you know, the more I learn, the more I sort of am, am uh, put off by some things. But anyway, that's okay. But do you, you have. I sort of like Maximum Rock and Roll because it was sort of like Saturday Night Live or something where it, it just freaking wouldn't die and the cast kept. Yeah. Just- you know, rolling over, and there was always, you know, I, I think probably every writer had people that were, were fans of their writing and nobody else's, and they would say, you're the only fucking reason I buy that rig, and I think probably everybody, like, heard that, so there was all these little factions who only had, like, you know, one or two people that they thought represented their views, and they hated everything else, so everybody always hated Maximum Rock and Roll, but somehow there was some representation of their viewpoint, so they sort of also simultaneously liked it, and I think that tension was what just moved it along the uh, the time stream. Mm. Well, yeah, there was, yeah, because well, I'm trying to think who was who was doing columns at the same time you were. Uh, George Tab, of course, had a t- column for a long time, and I, so was this Larry a, had a is this goal. is this nineties we're talking now, or are we talking about mid eighties? When, when, when did yours actually? What years did yours actually run from? I believe it was 1994 through 1998. Okay, 94 through 98. Okay, yeah, it's so because I actually have the book, I actually have the book of your columns, which I grabbed from you in Milwaukee last year, but I haven't read that because I first I went through your. Uh, your book of lyrics, and I, I felt like I got so close to the mouth of madness that I needed to take a few month break before I <laughs> before I dove into your. Uh, well, yeah, keep, of... keep your proper mental hygiene, you know, well, good and flossed. <laughs> exactly. So um, this year, I was going to say it's funny. This year, you're you were, are going to shatter previous year's records for shows. So you guys are actually Boris Sprinkler is actually playing three shows this year. Well, we're playing two shows. Boris are playing two shows, and the Boris Auxiliary are playing one show. Is that what you're calling that that other show? Oh, okay. TBA. TBA, the Boris Auxiliary. <laughs> so so the, for, for the readers at home, the TBA are going to practice that uh, in 43 minutes, by the way. Anyway, for, for the readers at home. Well, TBA, there you go, Neil. we got 40, 42 minutes. Yeah. Are, they pra- are you practicing at your house, or do you have to go somewhere else to do it? We're not. We're going to the drummer's house. Oh, boy. We better hurry up, Neil. We better hurry up. That's that's um, all. I'm a fast. I'm a fast. What am I? A fast babbler? I don't know. I'm probably not a fast anything. What the hell was I talking about? Oh yeah, TBA. Anyway, TBA is like the the very final lineup of Boris. It was from November 
2002 to March 2003. So it's like a five month lineup. Like, you know, you kind of get that jerk, the jump the shark lineup or it's the very tail end of a band's career. And like the principles are all mostly gone away and you're still kind of holding it together by bailing twine and running on impulse engines and things like that. And it was that lineup that recorded a split 45 for Dirt Nap Records. And there's that big Dirt Nap Records show next month. Yes, so sir. we're getting the Dirt Nap Records lineup, the five month, five month history lineup together. And we're going to play a set. So that was basically like an early rhythm section and a different guitar player. It was at the very end when Paul left. And is that is that am I right on that? Yes, because you know, both our original bass player and the original drummer left. And then about five or six years later, they they rejoined. But the lineup gotcha. is, you know, officially Boris the Sprinkler. That's the mega anal lineup. That's like the 1996-ish, 1997-ish lineup. That's the one we saw last summer. And that's the one that, the that will play. The, that was the official lineup, by golly. That will play the 30th anniversary lineup. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I actually, you know what, maybe we'll, uh, I'm saying we only got it for 43 more minutes, Neil, maybe we should just stick the songs in later. Like we could, we can edit the songs in later. You cool with that? You cool with that? My it's, editing friend. It's not like this would be the first time I was ever late to practice. So, you know, fire away. Well, yeah, that's do, right. well do you want to put, want to be... do you want to play one of the other songs now, Tom? Do you want to play one of these songs by one of the, uh, bands okay, that they're sure. playing with? Sure, this is our art. So, I don't. Do you know the DUIs that are playing first at your big show in Green Bay, or is that more of a Paul connection? Do you know those guys, Norm? Uh, yes, the Smart Shoppers have played with the DUIs at one point in time in the past. Excellent. Well, we're actually going to play the DUIs. Dudes, Juan from the South. They're good. The DUIs, I think. Yes, they're good dudes. Actually, they played a they played an official Punk Till I Die event. They did. They're good dudes. Yes. I've known Mark the longest, but they're all good dudes. So let's real quickly, Neil, let's play. The DUIs. We will get drunk. We will get drunk. The DUIs. Yeah, as we will. And they will, and we will.
that was the DUIs with We Will Get Drunk. So the, it's 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 actually super impressive the lineup you put together for this thing. It's almost like a mini festival. It's like a the one in Green Bay is like was seven bands or something like that. And I uh, assume you have a connection to all of them. Uh, if, if I don't, Paul does. I think I think Paul did all the legwork on this one. I kind of. I, I'm kind of one of those people that just sort of wants to sit back and wait for gravy gigs to fall out of the sky. I'm kind of old, and I'm too I'm too old to frickin' beat the bushes looking for shows. But that's but that's actually actually yeah okay. So you don't like doing the the business end of it. I get that. But you you uh, you play bass in another band called the Smart Shoppers out of Green Bay. That is so. Cool. It's interesting because you always kind of been the front man. Is it, is it like a relief to just stand back and play the bass and not have to do things? Or do you yes, I fucking I, love it? It's great. You just show it, up because like, if you, if you're the singer, you're the front man, you know, you kind of, yeah. you, you go to the show and you walk in and you, you shake hands and you're jumping up and down. Oh yeah. I got to meet this person. I got to schmooze that person. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the club owner. Oh, hi, how you doing? Yeah. Move blah, 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 blah. Set up the merch stand, you know, chat with the girls, do whatever the heck. Then you go on stage and you're just like flipping out. You're going crazy. And you, they're, you know, 45 minutes later, they're about ready to ring you out like a, like a reusable towel because you're soaked in sweat and you're sort of a limp noodle. And then you go back to schmoozing with the club owner. Oh yeah. I have a t-shirt, sir. And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's sort of the face of the franchise and you're kind of being social and so on and so forth. But if you're like a bass player, that's that, that whole, that whole relationship is inverted because at the beginning of the show, you're lifting your freaking bass up and you're carrying all this crap and you're grunting and you're groaning and so on and so forth. And then you get to the part where you play and then you're just like, do, 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 do. I can just play my bass, pop <laughs> around in the corner, blah, 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 blah. I don't have to be funny. I don't have to be interesting. I don't even have to look cute. I don't even have to look at the audience. I don't even have to move if I want, but I like to move around. And you, you, you're kind of just goofing off when you're on stage. You could like do it for hours on it. And then at the end of the show, you got to tear your shit down. You got to haul it back. You got to drag it back in your car, drive it home, put it back in your house. So like, when you're a singer, it's like goof off, work, goof off. But when you're a bass player, it's like work, goof off, work. Well, wait a minute. I traded one yeah, work you for did. two work. <laughs> I was going to say, it's I don't know work. if that's an improvement. Yeah. But, well, I, I assume as you get older, you realize that you don't need that bass cabinet that's like the eight, 10-inch speakers that you... Uh, yes, that, you do not need the honeycomb of rock and roll. Yeah, you don't need to cripple yourself every gig. So who else is in the Smart Shoppers? Who, who have you got that band with? We've got Joey Shops. That's our singer. He was briefly in the, not briefly, he was in the Last Sons of Krypton at one point in time. And then we have got Aaron Smart and Josh Thrift. All names are fake. Uh, <laughs> they are the guitar and bass. And I don't know if they've been in a band that you would recognize. They were in a band called the Invitamins, but I don't think they have any stuff out. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so so did you get a chance to listen to Smart Shoppers? Very uh, new wavy, right? Very Devo-y kind of, I think, is the biggest, would be the biggest reference point, I would say. It's somewhat deep. It's sort of like it's sort of like Doc Dart of the Crucifix singing for the B fifty twos. Oh, we love Doc Dart. We do. Man. Yes, we have we have much love for the Crucifix on on our so, show. So so anyway, while we're while we're stalling on that, Neil, why don't we stick that Smart Shopper song in right here? That's because a great plan. I think yes, it's really it's really cool stuff. Actually, I I was supposed to see them play with Sloppy up in Green Bay, but I. After two years of pandemic rescheduling, I was not able to make it up to that show. So hopefully one of these years. Of course, they come down. You guys actually get around the Midwest quite a bit, so maybe I'll catch up with you at some point. But let's play the Smart Shoppers, Scratch and Dent. Bobby, Bobby, 
You should have just had to play it live. You don't even need the recording. You just have to and a very a very special acoustic Rev Norb where he just he's like he's like Neil Young. He just tells personal stories or like Bruce Springsteen where he tells stories about working in the factory that are totally nonsensical and or untrue. Um so okay. my one of so I'm a I'm a big collector of your seven inch records. I have I'm only missing a couple. I'm actually missing that dirt nap one, and I'm missing the the one with the ugly guy with a mustache on it. Those are uh, the only two I'm missing. Split. Yes, yes, and it's only got one song of yours, and it's on one of your full lengths. So I I actually don't have that one. But my one of my very favorite ones has got to be the split with the Meat Men, and I remember reading the. Uh, what was the touch and go fanzine, the complete fanzine. And there was a letter in there from a young man in green Bay called who called himself ugly Norby. Norby so you kind of, yeah. So you kind of have a long, long standing connection to the meat men. And was, was Tesco's style of singing a big influence on you? Tesco, Tesco's whole thing was a pretty big influence on me when, you know, when I was in high school, because I sort of first got tu- tuned into, turned on to the meat mode when I was about 16. Uh, Barry Hensler from the Necros made me a tape oh, yes. of a bunch of bands of the Great Lakes area that didn't have records out, like Negative Approach and Violent Apathy and the Meat Men and stuff like that, like they had demos. So he sent me hip to the demos of those bands before they had records out. So I thought I was kind of a cool hip insider. And, you know, when you're when that hardcore thing was first starting, you're, you're sort of viewing everything from the lens of Negative Approach, where there's going to be a lot of angry bald people and so on and so forth and boots and then you have tesco who is just you know this complete force of nature who is disregarding all known natural laws <laughs> typing in all caps and ranting and raving about god knows what manner of sexual perversions and you know that that sort of opened the floodgates that you know you can kind of just be this ridiculously overblown version of yourself and not have any tether to any sort of fealty to any any orthodoxy whatsoever you just kind of explode yourself all over the page or all over the, the, the microphone or whatever the heck it is. And by golly, I I, I don't know. Yes. And, and Tesco's bellering style also sort of fit me because when you're 16, that's what you like to do. You like to beller. That's true. So that's, and that's a great, great seven inch. So do you, you mentioned Duck Dart before. Did you have any dealings with him at any point or the Crucifix? I've... I've had some dealings with Doc Dart at you know various points in times. I have not seen that gentleman since the '80s, so I okay. I know he changed his name to 26 or something like that. Yeah, but. indeed he did. Yeah, I think he lives in the woods and feeds deer or something. He's like Saint Francis of Assisi now or something. <laughs> he's disavowed <laughs> his. Did it. I think he's changed. disavowed his hard his hardcore past. He's changed his name to Saint Francis of Assisi. Very interesting. Okay. So what are the bands? Well, what what are the bands from the mid '80s or early '80s in in uh, in the Midwest? Did you uh, did you play with? Um, maybe supporting or they supported you or whatever. You mentioned Violent Apathy. Um, how about like Negative Elements Kalamazoo. or something like that? Great Kalamazoo band. Yes. Negative, you know, Negative Element, I don't know if we ever played with, but I was friends with those guys. At one point in time, Keith from Negative Element lived in Green Bay. Um, we'd play with, you know, like, see, now it's hard to remember who we played with and who we just like hung out with. But like, you know, the Cranston and Sacred Order, and then you had Articles of Faith and Rights of the Accused <laughs> coming up from Chicago. and right. uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, the state from yeah, Michigan. Michigan yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I went and saw them a couple summers ago. They're still at it. What's that game? Preston, uh, he's still at it. Good Lord. Yep. Yes. How about any, well, how, do you have any dealings with the digits at any point? Yes, but that was like the 90s. Okay. Because they weren't, they weren't, well, maybe that was the 80s. No, that was the 90s. No, they, the, yeah, the, the, I, I was friends with them in like 85, so they were definitely going in the 80s. 
I didn't see them. I, I saw one show where they still had Brad on drums. Okay. So that was, you know, maybe 90. That was the first time I saw him, I think. Okay. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Then they got well, uh, Todd. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because Norb is definitely a sort of a, a, hist- a historian of, of the Midwest scene, but specifically the punk scene. And it's it's interesting, actually, because you got one of the bands, and I don't know how much older than you guys these guys were, but you got one of the bands that you kind of looked up to in high school to play your 30th anniversary show, actually. That would be The Miners. The so miners, is this like that? Is this like like the full lineup or is it like a singer and his kids or something? Um, we're going to have to see. I, you know, I, I'm, I know it's a singer and I know it's the drummer and I know that the guitar player, the, one of the two guitar players didn't want to do it. So I don't. I don't know exactly how. Full but there's the, more than one. I mean, it's definitely a, at least a couple of them from the original. Yeah, it might, might be like four out of the five guys. I'm not sure. Oh, that'd be cool. So I don't really I know them very well. We can expect. Huh? Because I, because I, I know there was they had the 145, and I, I read something that you had wrote about, it and I got sort of interested in. Uh, you know, I, I grew up. I actually grew up in Wisconsin too, but I, at that point, I would have been like a ten year old living in some podunk town and i would have had no idea that there was i didn't even know who de Crutzen was i'd let alone some band from green bay you know but uh neil let's throw that minor song in i'm, I'm uh actually I, I fully intend to be in green bay in about a month or so and i can't wait to see this bunch of old geezers play this song so this is let's play the minors neil it's called waves shoot i lost the name of the song play the side. play a stupid love song but you can is that available digitally? Because I could not find that one floating around. That's why. Oh, no. We... Okay, well, all right, you're going to play Waves of Hit, which. Yep. Waves of Hit. Of, it's kind of lame. Oh, I mean, it's great. So, yeah, come out and see us. <laughs> Everybody come out to Green Bay. That's that's a heck of a strong endorsement. Everybody come to Green Bay next month. Yes. I heard the band just split again. Okay, Waves have hit the minors. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Life. People 
Oh, you guys are doing like jazz. You're like improvising. That was MTV, man. That was MTV. Exactly. Waves of Hit sounded like the MTV like jingle, but MTV didn't come out until about three or four months after that single was released. It, Both it, huh, interesting. That single goes for $35 it's, on Discogs. $35. It's funny, Neil. I kind of wanted to use this opportunity at some point to really break balls on our good friend uh, John. And I was going to ask Norb if the low point of his entire career was uh, adding background vocals to a Born Shitster song. Do you consider that your ultimate low point? Uh, no, you wouldn't believe my ultimate low point. I'm just going to probably have to leave that to the, you know, dustbin of history. <laughs> just leave it unspoken. Dustbin of history has already been, you know, mentioned. But uh, I'm trying to think of what my actual low point is. Boy, <laughs> it might be this interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming on punk till I die. Yahoo's on a Friday at lunchtime. <laughs> no, I just want to give John a hard time. John has an amazing ability to get lots of like names to appear on his on his records. So good on him. Or right, how about this for a high point? Is your high point of your career the fact that the uh, that your Ramones cover album is now going to be available on eight track? Is that the real high point? Uh, that was going to be the high point, but then I had like a I had like a a, a quote on the front of the eight track box that was sort of like a parody of the Monty Python holy hand grenade thing where it's like, you know, three is the number you shall count and three and blah, 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 blah. Two shall thou now count, shall thou not count and accepting that you shall proceed immediately to three and four shall, four, four you shall not count and five is right out. Anyway, I did that with the eight track thing with like, you know, seven shall thou not be the number of tracks lest you proceed immediately to eight and blah, blah, blah. And then for some reason that's not on the front, like that graphic just disappeared when I got the eight track. So it made me sad, but I'll live. <laughs> Isn't it? I think I, there's a certain irony in the fact that like one of your covers album is the one that finally got you to big time. Finally got you on the eight track, the big time, you know, format. The that only, everybody's, the only time I was for. ever in spin, and all my my entire musical career was a photo of that album. Hmm. Yeah, how about that? Is, Me wearing a wig. Is spin still a thing? I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I told Neil before we started that I actually love that album because it's like the way it should have. The Ramones should have done it. You know, yeah, if you listen to that album, it wasn't that hard to figure out. You know where they sort of went astray. It's like you know, we can just play these fucking songs like a normal band and they'll sound pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a, re- a reinterpreting. You should check it out, Neil. It's good stuff. I only have it on CD. I don't believe that is available on vinyl. Oh, no, they might. Have, I think they did a vinyl run of it. Indeed, but I, they I do did not have it. on pink and it, it white. Was like two thousand copies on vinyl. Yeah. There's like 1,700 black, and I don't know, and there's some white ones and some bitter ones. Pink ones. It was like two dollars. Oh, yeah. Final. Yep. So I just got to get off a few dollars, huh? So it, it's interesting, actually, because you guys, the vast majority of your discography on full lengths, you put out yourself. So they were, so even though you put out a buttload of seven inches and a 10 inch, you know, and you have a lot of vinyl stuff floating around out there, some picture discs. The proper bulk of your albums, most of them are on CD only. Is there ever? Does anybody ever approach you and say, "Hey, Norb, it's time we do proper reissues of all these albums on vinyl"? Or is that ship sailed? Do you think at this point? Uh, yes, the, the the topic has been broached. It's one of those things that's sort of out in the ether. Unfortunately, like th- those CDs were released on vinyl and picture disc by Rhetoric Records, and Rhetoric lost all its stuff so the original masters and stampers and parts don't exist anymore blah 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 but um i don't know at some point in time i think that's probably going to happen if if the good lord willing and the creeks don't rise but Mm. it's not going to just be some you know 
some gigantic explosion. Boris now on vinyl again for <laughs> yeah. the first time since whatever. Record well, there's people. definitely a renewed interest in a lot. You know, I mean, Mr. T, Mr. T Experience is one that you guys were peers with back in the day, and they're going through, I know, and redoing their whole catalog. I know Dr. Frank is kind of helping out with it, but it's it's being very lovingly remastered. I would love to see that with you guys. I mean, honestly, Beer City would be amazing for that because they always do a really nice job on their reissues. Get on that, Mike. I don't know Mike at all, but it would be sweet. That would be a good yeah, – that would be a match. We've talked about it, so it's, you know – it's That would be a match match made in heaven do you think uh so it's it's funny you guys have kind of settled into this uh boris the sprinklers kind of settled into this groove where you play a couple shows every year and you're you're not not a band but you're not really an active band anymore is this is this a comfortable spot for you guys uh it's a comfortable spot for me i'll tell you that right now i mean i'm all you gotta I do is show up chicken and i don't think i can be driving around to you know chicago and cleveland every weekend jumping around with a oh, yeah, antler helmet on my head and a feather duster <laughs> or whatever the cosplay is doing. Yes, and a cod you piece, apparently, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think the cod was... I can't remember. The cod piece was on Friday, I think, and the... I can't remember. It was a different outfit on Friday and Saturday. He's nothing if not the consummate showman. He's, he's sort of the Elton John of punk rock, I think. Wow. What about that? Well, in, the, in the good way. Put that on your business card. Way. Exactly. <laughs> so... Yeah, fantastic. And I hope they make a pinball machine about me someday. There you go. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. A, docu- a documentary film. You could be. I don't know who would play you in that in that film, but somebody good, no doubt. The hey, guy that played uh, Artie on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Anyway, moving right along. There you go. So, okay, tell us about the Leghounds. They're another band playing at your at your shindig on the twenty fifth. So, anyway, in case anyone is because we've been hopping around so much, the official Boris the Sprinkler thirtieth anniversary show is going to be at Badger State Brewing on the twenty fifth of June. And that's and where that's in Green Bay, right? Green Bay, Wisconsin, Titletown, USA. Okay, and then they're the stadium. And then they're playing Chicago yes, as well, many... right? Aren't they playing Chicago? Chop Shop is yes, and they're, they're playing Chicago. We're playing Chicago with uh, Apocalypse Hoboken and so on and so forth at the Chop Shop the night before. So it is the Chop Shop, okay? And I see that comedian who you played with before is going to be there. Is he doing like a stand-up set, or is he doing like a folk rock set? I believe he's doing a stand-up set. Don't quote me on this. Who is this? Who is this comedian? Kyle Kinney. Well, we, so yeah, Kyle Kinney. Remember last year, Neil, we went to the uh, a show in Chicago, and there was the band that we didn't really think that much of the band, but the guy was really funny between songs. That was the the Grand Marquis. Oh, that was what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that poster was fantastic, by the way. Who does those posters for you? Because those posters were fantastic. Wow. Was it the, the pink and the yellow one? It was the one. Uh, it would have been the Chicago. Yeah, one. it would have been the Beat Kitchen one. It was a guy it, riding it a motorcycle, I think, in outer space. Oh, that was uh, that was that was Eric von Munz. He did a poster like that for the Milwaukee show and for the Chicago show. But then there was a different poster for the Chicago show, also, which just had the Antler helmet and was pink and yellow. So they were like dueling posters, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I bought the I bought that motorcycle one. It's excellent. It's hanging on my wall, actually. As well, yes, Von Munch from Milwaukee. He does quality work. He does. So I'm sorry, it took us away from the um, Leghounds. I'm sorry, you were introducing the show. No, Tom, no, my I just, bad. I can't. I, I don't have the date of the Madison show, which is the Boris Auxiliary. Now that's a real treat for hardcore fans, actually, because they probably most of them probably never saw that lineup. And unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Madison for that. But they, should, it, of course, I think that show sold out anyway. Forget it. Forget it. I'm sorry I teased yeah. any of you. I believe yeah. the Dirt, I believe the dirt Nap Fest is sold out. 
I'll give you a pro tip. If you are hanging around Green Bay on uh, the day after the Boris 30-year-o-rama, Neo Spectacular 30-year-o-rama, out behind the record store, on the loading dock, out behind the exclusive company record store, uh, TBA are going to be one of the bands playing, as are the Smart Shoppers. There's a record store that's closing. That? We're going to play out in the parking lot. Wow. Neil, the, the store that's closing is a, is the exclusive chain that I grew up going to the one in West Bend that kept me from going insane when I was about 16 years old. Exclusive. I'm actually super sad to hear about that closing out. They were great, uh, great little chain of record stores. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that nobody's picking up the picking up the mantle for that. What about you, Norb? You don't want to go into retail? Maybe get into I, a dying field, buy a record store? You no, know, my, my – I. Whenever I get up and I think about, you know, maybe how crummy my life is or how I should have went for the, the golden ring or whatever, I just, you know, take stock of my situation and I realize, for Christ's sakes, at least I'm not in fucking retail. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong. You're not, not wrong. Well, I was, it's funny because I was having a conversation about that. I'm like, I'm surprised Tom doesn't try to buy that. Time Bomb Tom doesn't try to keep that going. And the person said, I think he's ready to be done. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Time Bomb Tom's been working pretty freaking hard for the last 35 years. I mean, you know, managing a record store and doing all that and working six or seven days a week, especially in the pandemic and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, um, I think he's, you know, he's pretty much put there the ringer. And also, if you work at a record store all your life, you tend not to have a whole bunch of surplus capital that you can spend on things like record stores. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Who is, t- That's true. Who is Time Bomb Tom? And who should I, why should he's I? He's kind of a local... He's kind of a Green Bay legend. I'm sorry, I'll let Norb explain. Yeah, he, he knows better than me. He manages but... the exclusive company. He was also the, the the promoter of shows of record and still is the promoter of shows of record for the, the Green Bay punk scene for decades and decades. Okay, and I'm going to ask an obvious question, and Tom will probably be uh, raising his eyebrows at this one, but why the name? Why Boris the Sprinkler? What does that mean? Boris the Sprinkler doesn't mean anything. What it means is that we were we had a show coming up and we needed a name or something, and uh, we couldn't think of any good names. So I was listening to the second Who Well Met work one day with the song Boris the Spider on it. Right. So all day long, walking around, I'm going, Boris the Spider. Boom, 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 boom. And then I got home from work, and every day I would tape the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, the cartoon show on VHS. And I was sitting down, and I plunked in my VHS so I could watch the day's episode of Bullwinkle and Rocky, and in comes the secret agent Boris Bat. Enough. So I'm like, Boris the, and you can't go Boris the secret agent because it sounds stupid. And I was like, Boris the, and I happened to look out the window and the, there was a little barber shop next door and they were watering the grass with a little sprinkler. And I went, Boris the sprinkler. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, that's a, that, that's as good as a name as any, you know? I mean, well, there you so, go. And you, so, that was fucking gold and, right there. That was gold. And when you took that to the rest of the band, were they like, yeah, I, I, I mean, was it one of those had to be there situations, or are they like, okay, whatever, it's cool. Um, I think it, it, it was sort of strange because I called the band and I left messages saying that I had the band's name, but I was going to like tell them in you know three days or four days or five days, and I started with like the fifth runner up because I had like you know five five potential names for the band, and they were like really dumb, like you know I don't know like the Apes of Wrath or Barefoot and Khrushchev or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> the Apes of Wrath and is I great. Would call them I would say, okay, uh, contestant number five, contestant number four, contestant number three, and on the last day I said, and the winning contestant is Boris the Sprinkler. So I, I left this as like a message on people's answering machines hmm. and so i didn't get any follow until we got to practice and everybody was like yeah i guess whatever so was that and i'm sorry for my ignorance but it was and was that first a uh, lineup of boris was that completely different lineup than had than suburban mutilation was that a completely different bunch of guys yep that was a completely different bunch of fellers okay 
Well, the, the and the thing with Boris is you guys weren't that young. You were like in your mid twenties or so when when Boris the Sprinkler came around. I mean, I, I think I think Paul told us more or less that you were sort of retired. You were sort of like they had to kind of coerce you into getting back into it. Yeah, they kind of did that. I was yeah, I was like you know twenty whatever. I was twenty six probably, or so was Paul. We'd be like the same age. And the uh, the, the rhythm section was probably you know, a few years younger than that, like maybe 23, but we'd, we'd been around the block a few times. It wasn't our first rodeo. Strangely enough, we play punk rock, not because we can't play anything else, but because we kind of like it. Well, there you go. The best, best, best reason to do it. Right. Well, that, I love that answer because yep. it's always, I hate that when people say, Oh, I used to listen to punk rock. No, you didn't used to it. You can't used to it. It's, you have to do it all the time. You can listen to other things too, but you have to keep listening to it. So speaking of bands with weird names, Neil, yes, sir. What about the leg hounds, Norb? What can you tell us about the leg hounds? I'll tell you plenty about the leg hounds. The leg hounds were from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. They were a three-piece. They were a, a rock and roll band in the style of the Devil Dogs. And by golly, one day in approximately 2001, I was I was outside, and the leg hounds were playing outside, and I was drinking beer. And I saw the leg hounds, and I'm like, this is the greatest band in the world. I'm going to put out three of their CDs. That's the power of alcohol for you. So I walked up to them and I said, I'm not, not going to put out one album of you guys. I'm going to put out three albums. You're all going to record them at the same time. So those three guys went into the studio with Justin Perkins recording, and um, I cracked the whip, and they recorded three albums of worth of material at once. And uh, I released the stuff, and they also put out singles and stuff. And then two of them stayed, and one left, and they got somebody else, and they became the Jetty Boys, who still continue on to this oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the Jetty Okay, I got you. And uh, Drew, who was the guitar player of the Lake Hounds and the Jetty Boys, was also in uh, – he was in the Sugar Stems, and he was in he was in Screeching Weasel for a while. And uh, hmm. I don't know. So he's he's been around. He's a very talented feller. For those of you who are geographically challenged, Green Bay and Milwaukee are both on Lake Michigan, and Sheboygan is sort of right between the two of them on the coast. A midpoint theory. Uh, uh, yes. So, 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 so let's play a tender ballad from our friends on in the Leg Hounds, Neil. This is called uh, Backdoor Romeo. Oh. A charming little. Uh, That's a good name for a band by, by itself. Backdoor Romeo. There like you it. go. Okay. Don't 
Backdoor Romeo. Is a leg hound is a leg hound like a hound that humps your leg? Is that what that means? I, I don't know what a leg there, hound. There is. was a porn magazine in like the eighties called Leg Hound, which is sort of like you know foot fetish, leg fetish kind of porn. Oh, it. is that right? I love it. I missed that. I missed that one. Yeah, I have to look huh. that one up. That sounds good. Now, I guess I didn't have any adults in my. I didn't have any adults in my life that had that deviance, that particular deviance. Now, I'm not being familiar with this band. I assume they're new wave guys because they're all wearing ties and all their album covers. Uh, there, there, there are more down and dirty rock and roll fans of the suspended cord and the uh, the, the blues riff. Okay, because I was gonna say they look like the Romantics or some such thing. So you, so you put them out on bulge. Trust me. You put, you put them out on bulge records then that you put out some of the records. It was great because I, I put out three CDs on Bulge Records, and then I had all three like licensed vinyl-wise in Europe. So I had I had the vinyl out on Screaming Apple and on uh, Demolition Derby, and on what the hell's the other one? The, 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 the alien snatch and it was great because the vinyl came out on these fancy labels and it didn't cost me a cent <laughs> nice so it so it, so you're still running like the little bulge record store right we should give that a plug really quick we suck at helping give people plugs like we but we should give you a plug i mean obviously we really want we want to make people we want to see people in green bay i like i said i fully intend to be in green bay in a month and i want to see a lot of people there watching the Boris the Sprinkler 30th anniversary show. So that's first and foremost. You should go to that. These other fringy shows, I don't know. Chicago will be fine. People will show up. Lots of people will show up in Chicago. Lots of people will show up for the Dirt Nap thing. It's already sold out. But I want to see people in Green Bay, and I want people to buy stuff from you. So how do they order your books and CDs and such? Well, I think probably the easiest way to get Boris stuff is through the Boris the Sprinkler com website because there's a store on there and you can buy things and it's a lot cheaper than buying things off amazon yes and, and like there's a few other like bulge things that i don't have on the boris website but there's like a there's like a crappy little free five dollars a month website for bulge records i don't even remember what the hell it is oh it's bulge.biz that like details whatever but if you're interested just hit me up and we'll figure something out and at that point, he will send you a confirmation email that he's sending you stuff. And then at that point, you'll have Revnorb's email, and you can just constantly harass him. Nobody constantly harasses me. I kind of miss it. I miss the challenge. <laughs> but it's always fun when you mail order something, and you know it's coming like from uh, the the source. Like yeah. like if you order from Poison Idea, you know that Jerry is like the one packaging up your Poison Idea records and sending them to you. If you order some Boris Sprinkler stuff. Revnor will be packaging it up and sending it to you. My spit on the flap of the envelope. You hope spit. They hope spit. Jesus. <laughs> I was kind of... That's kind of dark. I don't Tom. know what's... Be... Well done. You know, Neil, I, 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 I took a half day today, and I'm feeling particularly particularly randy today. Good God. <laughs> well... I got a long weekend. You guys are in different time zones. Yeah. You... I got a long weekend coming up, yes. You better get a copy of Leghound then, I guess, or take it into the bathroom with you. I have a, I have a house full of teenage boys here i'm not sure i should be okay gary glitter doing i, <laughs> Jesus. I, I didn't mean it like that i mean i had to be a good example teenage is a little long in the tooth for gary glitter but uh let's not go there shall we? yeah yeah it's true and they're and they're americans so they have certain civil rights which i'm pretty sure he doesn't uh, he has to surpass or bypass when he's uh looking for romance is he in prison he's, he's in prison still right i think he's in prison in uh is he in thailand or something is he's in prison I don't know. I, I don't know. And then got thrown back in the clink like quickly thereafter. Like he was going to face the firing squad somewhere in Asia, and somehow they got him back in England. And then he was up to his up to his usual perfidy, and they kind of 
threw him in the, I don't know, Tower of London or whatever. <laughs> Tower of London. If if it, if it were you or I, we would have been shot. It's that one song that saved him. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, I bet you that's what got him off the hook. So get this. Okay, so, I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia. I'm sorry to talk about Gary Glitter real fast, but um, it says that he because Oasis uh, had a bit of uh, "Hello" in uh, sampled in one of their songs, and uh, said he he's received over a million pounds in royalties from that. Okay, now oh. how about that? Hmm. Sorry. Sorry about that. That's all right. You can get it. Interesting. You just stuff. need that one. You just need that. Need that one hit. Yeah. As a did. Like, as a digits proved right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because what's what's the what's the uh, Boris the Sprinkler signature song? Is it Drugs and Masturbation? Is that your hit? I mean, is that is that the is if you're at the cheese? what's that? I'm sorry. Say oh, grilled cheese. Yeah. Not sure. Maybe Sheena. Sheena's got a microwave. It's maybe. not for me to say. So, but if you're at your office party, I mean, and you're trying to be normal, you're you're fitting in, you know, you're just like your office Christmas party, and somebody recognizes you, somebody's guest recognizes you, like, oh crap, somebody recognizes me, and they're like, oh man, I love you, I used to go see you all the time, and and you, you, some new office worker that you've never met says, I didn't know you were in a band. They say, what should we listen to first? So if you're if you're like getting someone who's never heard you before, if you want to get them to listen to something, what do you tell them to listen to first? So that you don't scare them away. Deep question. I'll just tell them to go look up the leg hounds. <laughs> backdoor, backdoor Romeo. <laughs> so that's it, huh? That's it. So all right. So listen, I know you gotta go to Vampire. The company party is being held in the Lambeau Field parking lot the same day and the same time as the Boris 30th anniversary show, and it's like a freaking block away. What? I'm sorry. Say what is what's being held? My, my employer's company picnic is being held in the parking lot of Lambeau Field on the same day and pretty much the same time as the Boris Neo Spectacular 30 Year Orama. Did and you schedule it that way so none of your coworkers were? <laughs> <laughs> did not. Did not. It, it's just like a block or two away, so that should be. There should be some interesting talks with HR and Monday. Well, the yeah, exactly. Well, the good news is if you get hungry. You could just walk over and uh, you know get your get your feed on at your company picnic. True, I could you know I could I can stuff my pants full of hot dogs and none will be the wiser. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know. It depends. The front row might notice. Yes, indeed. Depending on, I mean, you you do often wear pants that allow one to kind of speculate as to your religion because they're so tight. But uh, let's uh, okay. I'm gonna let you go to practice here. But what's what's uh. Going forward, do you, does Borsa Sprinkler have new music in them? I believe that Paul has kind of teased us with something that might be coming up. Is is uh, I know you guys aren't content to entirely be a retro act. What are you? Uh, what are you working on? What's new in the Borsa Sprinkler camp? Uh, right now, what's old is new. Uh, the 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 main thing that's coming down the timeline, coming down the pike, coming down whatever the heck you call it, is uh, again on Beer City Records. We are putting out an album that is going to unvital, that is going to collect sort of all, all the orphan tracks, not not the covers, but the like the you know the, the songs that were on singles or they were here. Oh, like compilation yeah. stuff. Right. Gotcha. It's not any covers. It's just like the originals because they we found like you know eighteen or nineteen or something like that. Uh, we're putting that on, on an album, and I don't know when that is coming out because vinyl is weird. But that's going to come out on Beer City Records, and after that, I suppose we can turn our attention to putting out another album. But I don't know when we're going to do that. So, so is this? I mean, is this like songs that were on compilations, or is this like your singles, like the A sides of the singles, stuff that wasn't on LPs, basically, or it, it is stuff that wasn't on albums, yeah. Okay. So it's you know, mostly stuff on 45s and compilations. And well, Neil, that makes me makes me so happy that I collected every one of those individual 
seven inches that I have like 18, 18, 18 of them, and I was there to put them all in a convenient package for me. Yeah, but you're a, col- you're we'll a collector, have, though. Right. We'll still have the covers yeah. on your 45s because we're not putting those on the album. Exactly, exactly. That's true. And and the fact of the matter is, the older I get, the more resentful I am of having to get up every two minutes to flip the record. So. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's some there's, there's a thing of beauty about the seven inch single, man. That was the punk. That was the punk rock thing. It was a seven inch single. It wasn't an album. We weren't we weren't AOR. We were all about singles. We were about three minutes. Well, in and, and I out, do love. Right? Yeah, I do love the fact that if you want that Generation X cover, or whatever, you still have to have the seven inch. So I still will have. I could still be semi elitist, and that is it's important that we keep our. There is a chance you want to hear a Generation X cover. Uh, yeah, I like to throw forty bonds were better when they had those spindles, and you could stack up like six or seven records at the same time and put them on the thing, and then they would drop one after. Yep. Other and yep, and they gouge the gouge the hell out of your records with those heavy needles. Yeah, I golly, they're only records. And there's nothing wrong. Well, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with a good Generation X cover, for God's sakes. Ready, steady, go. Yeah. Can't beat it. There's a lot wrong with a bad Generation X cover, however. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> moving right along. Well, I'll tell you what. We're gonna let we're gonna let Norb go to practice. Okay. And we're gonna tell we're gonna tell him how much we appreciate him having to come out. Actually, we'll give him an, a a forum a floor to anything he wants to say anything he's left on his mind we'll let him empty out here right now yes. is there, at this, this very time, second yes i'm supposed to disgorge the contents of my cerebrum to <laughs> exactly <laughs> if you'd like ladies i'm single as hell <laughs> okay back on the market well and i i, I you know I, I mentioned that i recently read your lyric book and I think that in my mind, you guys always seemed like sort of a, well, not necessarily a wholesome band. You always sort of seemed like a harmless band. But once I went through the individual lyrics, Neil, it, the the Rev Nord was a lot of his songs were about getting laid, like a ton of them. Wow. He was a he was a very very horny youngster, maybe a horny oldster. I don't know. I'm not sure. Or I not can't tell. The case may be. Exactly. But listen, we very much appreciate you coming on and talk to us. We look forward to catching up with you later on this summer. What else, Neil? What, Am I missing anything? Well, what Boris song would you like us to play on the way out? Uh, what Boris song do you guys think is really stupid? <laughs> well, you know what my favorite one is, but I can't, and I know you didn't write this one, so I don't mean any offense by it, but I, I can't find a digital footprint of it is because it's a B-side on the Moral Crux record, and it's called Hey Ed. And I absolutely love that song, but I don't believe it exists digitally. Well, oh. so it could so be I thought, written by our drummer. Oh, we were, I'll, I'll sing it for you. Well, we were up there rustling kettle and bailing up the hay. Said Plainfield weren't so popular till just the other day. My next door neighbor, Mr. Dean, some say he's kind of weird. With blood beneath his fingernails and maggots in his beard. He's got a barn, oh shucky darn, I tell you. It's a hoot, hoot, hoot with knives and chains and butcher knives. Whips and chains and butcher knives and rubber gloves to boot. Hey, Ed, what's in the barn? I just got to know. Oh, hey, Ed, what you hiding behind that bloody door? Oh, so good. About the great Ed, the great Ed Gein, you know, yes. Wisconsin's finest. Plainfield, Wisconsin. My old, my old fifties friends from Chicago used to drive up to, uh, every year and uh, hang around uh, Plainfield, Wisconsin, just because of Ed Gein. So sick wow, bastards. That's very dark. That will be on the compilation that's coming out on Beer City, which is going to be called Bits of Boris. Bits of oh, Boris. Oh, nice. Well, that's, that's why is it excellent. called Bits of Boris? Because when I sent, I sent some files to Mike, like as a. It's sort of a proof of concept of what I wanted the album to sound like. And I, I wanted I just put it in a folder called Bits of Boris Garbage because that was just a folder that was I just needed one folder to hold everything on my desk and I put bits of Boris garbage so I knew what it was. And for whatever reason that name was too long to come, you know, 
name was too long to, to copy over or something like that. So it just said Bits of Boris, and he decided it should be called Bits of Boris. So there you, there you go. go. Perfect. That's excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, that album is going to be worth buying just for that song alone, not to mention the rest of your rest of your hits. But I'll tell you what, Neil, we'll, we will finish up. We'll finish up with a, with a favorite of mine. This was uh, later 90s, and it's called uh, Sheena's Got a Microwave Now. Sounds very well. Sounds good. Uh, should we play out with that and should, say goodbye to him, or what should we? We, we should say goodbye. It, thanks so much for coming on. And like I said, I, I we we appreciate your uh, insight. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know what else. Your but especially your insight. Well, I, the pleasure is mine. I'm glad I could be <laughs> episode 147 and or 174. <laughs> I can't even. I, you know. He's got a cracking memory too. This guy. Holy shit. I've talked to I, I've known this I've talked to this guy for an hour and he's already breaking my ball. See, that's the, that's the way life goes, but that's all right. It was it was worth it. You know what? There's no so way I'd rather have my ball. Standard, you know, standard time, daylight time thing in the past. So we can. That's true. That's true. That's true. He had to correct me, Neil. Yes. I said I was on Eastern Standard Time, and he said actually you're on Eastern Daylight Time because it's only Eastern Standard Time March through I don't know who, whatever. Who understands that nonsense? For God's sakes. Oh, why, exactly. why we stupid even do farmers. it? Why we even do it? So anyway, thank you so like, much like for coming Homer on. Simpson said, "Dude, stupid farmers, stupid farmers." Anyway, they have big light. They have lights on their trees now. Well, we should say that. Is he gone? Exactly. I'm not gone. Oh. <laughs> You're I'm just listening to Tom babbling. I see. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. We really That's appreciate it, my friend. Thank I you. I hope to see the various humans who listen to your podcast at our various live events. For sure. You I will, guess. at least some of them. Yes. And we're looking forward to catching up with all the guys, the DUIs guys and all the guys. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good time. There'll be many guys. Yeah. <laughs> and not and not many girls, probably, right? Well, you know, funk rock, what can you say? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not from lack of trying. Exactly. I don't know. All right. Thanks so much. And we Thank will you catch up with you again. Boris the sprinkler. Thank you, Norb. Exactly. We appreciate so it. Everybody, you know the deal. Keep a little mark in your heart and uh, stay free, Tom. And we'll smell you later. Smell you later, everybody. Thanks, Norb. And uh, playing out with Sheena's Got a Microwave now, Boris the Sprinkler. Bye-bye. Now, defrost. There we go. Sheena's Got a Microwave now. Sheena's Got a Microwave now. Sheena's Got a Microwave now.